This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Good game going on at Rogers Place. Two minutes left in the third period. Chicago and Vegas tied 3-3. Golden Knights led this one 2-0 after the first period, but the Hawks fight back with three goals in the second period. Kirby Dock gets his first postseason goal. Patrick Kane has three assists. Overtime looming in that one. Now down to a minute 45 to go in the third period, so it could push back the start of the game between the Flames and the Stars. That one is set for 8.30. Calgary up one nothing in the best of seven. Hurricanes and Bruins just getting underway in Toronto. Boston leads that series one zip, and the Blue Jackets tie up their series with the Lightning, a 3-1 victory today. So that series 1-1. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and EE Radio 630. Chad, really pleased to have you along for the ride. Don't forget, you can reach me by calling or texting 780-496-0063. Get me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. You can email inside sports at 630ched.com if you are so inclined. Got a Nice email from a listener in California a couple of days ago. That was pretty cool to have somebody check in. Oil country is large. Oil country largely disappointed after the Oilers exit from last Friday. And that'll be one of the discussion points with our guests this hour, Kelly Rudy and John Garrett. A couple of former NHL goaltenders will check in. Uh, interesting story here for the Montreal Canadiens. Claude Julien, their head coach, uh, taken to hospital with chest pain, so Kirk Muller will serve as the head coach for the rest of the series against Philadelphia. The Flyers took the game uh, game one last night. Here's what GM Mark Bergevin had to say about Julian being out. Load failed chest pain during the night. Uh, we immediately consulted our doctors, and it was agreed to quickly transfer him to the hospital by ambulance. He's presently there, and he's under tests to determine exactly the nature of his condition. This has nothing to do with COVID. We don't expect him to be back during this series against the Flyers. Kirk, Dominic, and Luke will share the responsibility. However, Kirk is the associate head coach, and he will assume the responsibility of head coach until Claude's return. All right, so there is the update straight from the general manager of the Habs, and they are back at it tomorrow, 1 o'clock Mountain Time in Game 2 against the Flyers. Hopefully uh, nothing too serious there for Claude Julien. Hey, I want to remind you, you can go to the contest page on 630Ched.com. Look for the 630Ched Kids Jersey a Day giveaway. It's presented by Mr. Mike's Steakhouse Casual. They're the official restaurant sponsor of Inside Sports. Really glad to have them on board all week long, we're giving you the chance to win a uh, kid's jersey from United Cycle. Now, again, you go to the contest page, 630Ched.com. You enter the code word, and today's code word, Kyler Yamamoto. Kyler Yamamoto, the code word, and uh, we'll have another one tomorrow.
So, uh, yeah, pretty cool. Chance to give your uh, chance to win your kid an Oilers jersey from United Cycle. Good stuff there. All right. He is uh, our weekly guest here on Inside Sports. Always a pleasure to have him on the show. Former NHL goaltender presented by Sentinel Storage. Shop Canadian, store Canadian. Head to sentinel.ca. Now a very busy broadcaster with the NHL on Rogers. Please welcome back to the show, Kelly Rudy. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Reed. I'm right in the midst of... uh... Uh, a million broadcasts a, a week, so it's all good. I'm uh, super excited to be back. Yeah, quite the quite the schedule, obviously. And I suppose when a game goes to five overtimes, that <laughs> that throws everything a bit off. Absolutely, I wasn't a part of that broadcast, but uh, I was doing the Flames and the Stars. And I have to admit, I started to watch uh, more of the uh, Carol or the Columbus Stampa game simply because it was riveting, and uh, you know, brought back some really great memories uh, for me. And so it was just an incredible physical uh, feat that those guys uh, put themselves through. Well, it's really interesting, and and I knew that uh, that was going to be a topic for you and your broadcast and for us a bit this week. And I know we've talked about it before, but Rob Brown, who is our regular contributor here on our Oilers broadcast, played in the third longest overtime game in NHL history in May of 2000, and you played in the the Easter Epic. I don't I don't know if I've ever asked you this question specifically. When it finally went in, when you finally saw Lafontaine score, and did it take a second to realize, oh, my God, like it's actually over? Did it take, like, you know what I mean? Because it's been so long without a goal. Well, that's a really fair question. And, uh, yes, it did. In fact, I don't believe I reacted for about, I think, around three seconds. I, I just didn't want to give myself the the relief or, or, you know, lose my focus in case, for whatever reason, maybe the goal uh, was called back. I don't know. There are just a, a million diff- different things going through my mind. Like, okay, is this really in? Is the game really over? Can I let my guard down now? And so that's a very fair question. And and after in a game like that, when you're you're playing and you see the other guy making save after save too, you're like, well, I don't think this game is ending anytime soon. And so you sort of prepare mentally to, to go even longer. So yeah, I, uh, I you know. Speaking of that long game, I wonder what Corpus Allo's feeling will be, you know, in 10 years or 20 years when he looks back on his career. Because to make a, a, a statement like that, make 85 saves but lose, I wonder what the feeling would be. I, I can't imagine it's a feeling of joy or delight because the ultimate uh, prize is to win the game, right? And it's not to set a record in a losing fashion. So I don't know. I, I wonder one day uh, if you'll ever share those thoughts. Yeah, that's a good point. And certainly looking back, the perspective changes for a lot of players. Do you remember what you guys used for nutrition in between periods that night? Yes, very easy. Nothing. Oh, my <laughs> back God. Then, well, back then, if I remember correctly, energy bars weren't even invented. And if they were, we had never heard of them or used them. Uh, I know the arena in Landover was, wasn't was near anything, so I believe we tried to maybe get some bananas or pizza, but nothing was available for whatever reason. And so uh, all of us, you know, you usually eat your pregame meal around 1230 or something like that, and, and then, you know, you're heading into double overtime, triple overtime, in our case, quadruple overtime. You're, you're dying of hunger, but uh, there's n- nothing we could do. 
Man, that is that is crazy because Rob remembers fueling up on slices of pizza or hot dogs or something in that long game in in two thousand. So so you guys just toughed it out. Yeah, well, it, it was good to see the your highlight reel uh, coming up <laughs> during that game. That was some good memories for for sure. Kelly Rudy joining us at Inside Sports. Okay, well, uh, when we talked to you last week, the Oilers were in the playoffs, and uh, now they are not. So we've obviously been spending a lot of time trying to figure out. What went wrong? Getting a lot of feedback from listeners and fans, of course. Kelly, we've had almost a week to digest it. What do you think about that series with Chicago? I'm, I'm kind of left with the feeling that there was more there for the Oilers to give, and, and they didn't quite, uh, they weren't quite able to get it out of themselves. Absolutely. No question about it. And I don't think mentally they prepared for the battle that uh, Chicago gave them. I told you, I think, before the series started, uh, that I had watched uh, Chicago live uh, in maybe January, and I covered them uh, a week later versus the Toronto Maple Leafs on hockey night, and I knew how well they were playing. I, I knew the progress that uh, uh, Doc had made as a, a young player. Um, I said Corey Crawford was uh, outstanding, and he was in the series in particular in the third period. Um, so I knew they were going to be a tough out. I still expected the Oilers to uh, to beat them, though. I, I didn't think that they'd lose um, to Chicago. Um, give Chicago lots of credit because they had great efforts from a lot of people, and uh, they laid it on the line, and not everybody did for the Oilers. Yeah, it's tough, and there's been a lot of discussion about, okay, uh, checking McDavid a dry title, depth scoring. I mean, I don't know. I, I think when you lose, there's there's enough blame to, to go around. But it, it seems like the – because the game the Oilers won, Kelly, they blocked a ton of shots. They out-hit the Blackhawks by a wide margin. It was like 26-10 or something like that. So I think that's what kind of has left people out of frustrated is, is they committed to a playoff formula for one game and, and then kind of weren't able to, to find it, in, any, in any, at least not consistently, in any of the other games. Yeah, and the, that's how the game is. I don't care how skilled you are. I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are a great example of that too. If you're not willing to sacrifice every single game and lay it on the line and all those little cliches you want to say, but they are accurate. You know, you're, you're just not going to win in today's league. It's so difficult. You look at the way in which John Tortorella demands that from his players. You don't play unless you're that guy, unless you're willing to sacrifice for your teammates. He doesn't care. And, uh, you know, I think you need that from the coaches in today's game that you've got to find a way to get that out of everybody. It's a hard thing to do, but you've, you've got that's up to you. Kelly Brody joining us. All right, so we're in and out the, the first round, the second round being played. Uh, man, uh, Montreal hung in there against uh, Philadelphia, and it looks like Kirk Muller is going to be behind the bench for the rest of that series, but Claude Julien experienced some, some chest pains, and Kirk Muller, you obviously knew pretty well playing against him in the 93 Cup Final. Yeah, and he's been on our broadcast as a guest every once in a while uh, over the years on Hockey Night. So, yeah, I know uh, Kirk quite well. He's uh, the, the benefit of having uh, that experience on the bench, not only is he being 
been an assistant for a long time, but he's been a head coach, so um, he doesn't have the experience that uh, Julian has. But nonetheless, it's not like throwing a, a second-year assistant coach into uh, that position. But I was really impressed with the way that uh, Montreal played yesterday. In fact, I thought if not for uh, Carter Hart in the second period, Montreal could have easily had the lead after two periods because uh, I believe the shots were 17-7 in favor of the Canadians, and they had a, a number of really quality scoring chances. So uh, Price played well. I, I think this, what I'm trying to say is moving forward, I think Montreal should feel really good about themselves because I, I really thought Philadelphia were they were the uh, the favorite by a long shot, but uh, Montreal hung in there better than I expected, and so I think this could be a really long series. All right, and Flames and, and Dallas, you see a lot of Calgary during the season. I, I thought a big storyline for Calgary was could some of their top offensive guys who went quiet in the last playoffs against Colorado – was this redemption time for them? Looks like it so far. And quite frankly, Kelly, Milan Lucic looks like the Lucic that the Oilers had the year they made the playoffs three years ago. He looks like a different guy, I think, than, than much of the regular season. Yeah, it's great to see that sparkle in his eye again, isn't it? Like I, I've talked to you before about this. I felt really badly for him when... Uh, when he was uh, in a ditch and he had lost all uh, confidence in himself and lost hope that he could ever get back to being a decent player. And, and that wasn't easy to watch, whether it was uh, in Edmonton or the early party part of this year for the Flames. And so uh, it, it's a really good story, and uh, he's a really easy guy to like and cheer for. So that's, that's one of the good stories coming out of these playoffs. But... You know, even though Dallas has struggled, they didn't play well in the round robin and, and they weren't good in the first game, I definitely don't uh, give the advantage to either team right now. I think the way that Dallas plays, uh, they play so hard. They're great defensively. They have a little bit of trouble scoring, but if you play that hard defensively, that's not going to be an easy out for the Flames either. Yeah, I think that one's going to go uh, maybe go the distance for sure. Kelly, I know you're yeah. going the distance with all your work. Uh, thanks for checking in. <laughs> we'll we'll uh, stay hydrated. Stay. I, I give you permission to eat as much as you need in between periods, <laughs> and you'll be <Okay>. fine. <laughs> I like it, Reed. Thanks for the advice, buddy, and I'll talk to you next week. Right on. There we go. It is. Uh, Kelly Rudy, check it in tonight. And the Big L checks in. He says, Reed, I really love watching Kelly as a goaltender and look forward to his comments on the game as an analyst. So I don't want to call him a liar, but is he sure he didn't have a bag of Chimo pierogies hidden somewhere in his stall for those long overtime games? Well, Kelly is a bit of a foodie, so you, you never know. He might have had something stashed away. That's a good one, Big L. Thanks a lot for writing in. Okay, they're going to overtime, Vegas and Chicago. Kellen Kennedy's back at the 630 Chet Studio. Kellen, should we do it? Should we each pick a guy for uh, pick a guy from each team to end the game? Black Why Hawks not? And we Golden haven't Knights? done this yeah. this year. Let's do it. All right. The the inside uh, sports you, overtime challenge. Gotcha. You pick, you go first. Oh man. Okay, so I am gonna go with uh Slater Cuckoo for Blackhawks and oh, KK's taking Cuckoo. I like it. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and Golden Knights, uh Alex Tuck. Okay. I will take, I'll take Stone for the Golden Knights. Uh, he already has one today. Mm -hmm. I'll take him. And uh, for Chicago, well, I'm going to take Patrick Keane. He already has three assists, so why not sure. a goal? Why, no, so why not? Uh, what, what are we putting on the line? Canned ham. 
Yes, a canned ham. Well, okay. Well, you and I have access to all the canned hams we want, but that's a good idea. A, a canned ham for sure. Sure. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. If any of you want to reach me tonight, John Garrett's coming up in the next half hour of the show. It's Inside Sports on six thirty. Chat. Twenty-four overtime about to start at Rogers Place, Vegas, and Chicago in a three-three tie. Richard texting in. He says he always enjoys the Kelly Rudy segment. Appreciate that, Richard. Always good to have Kelly on the show. As they are about to drop the puck on OT. Uh, also tonight, we'll talk a little bit about junior football in the city, and unfortunately, the lack of it this year. Prairie Football Conference, Canadian Junior Football League, will not compete. So we'll have. Darcy Park from the Wildcats and Ian McLean from the Huskies on the show. And uh, I'm looking forward to the 7.30 segment tonight. Uh, a gentleman I used to see uh, on an almost daily basis was the uh, director of communications for the Edmonton Oilers for several years. J.J. Bear is going to be on the show for some storytelling and to let us know about uh, the latest venture in his life involving a lot of teams in uh, Spruce Grove. He's now with Silent Ice Sports and Entertainment. Pretty cool stuff there. That'll be fun. Uh, all right. So Chicago and Vegas are going to overtime, and overtime has become a bit of a, a story already in this first round of the NHL playoffs. The five overtimes between Columbus and Tampa Bay, double overtime between Carolina and Boston, and now this overtime game, which unless it's a relatively quick one, could very well push back the start of the Flames and uh, and the Stars. Kind of a, a minor hockey. Well, I guess not just minor hockey, probably any amateur sort of sports tournament i i used to play high of uh, high school and volleyball ages ago grand trunk high school in evansburg and you'd you'd have you'd usually play tournament would usually be friday night and saturday during the day and after a while the, the start times of your games didn't really mean anything you just knew you played after san gudo and mournville then you'd have to play thorhild or whoever uh so it didn't really matter what time the game was scheduled to start so that's uh, the kind of the situation now for calgary and dallas well they might start at 8 30 like i said if it's a quick one but they just know they'll play an hour or so after this one is done if it stretches on to any length of time okay we got the news and weather coming up and then we got john garrett former national hockey league goaltender great storyteller when sweet tarts dared to combine sweet and tart they thought why stop there why not create other exciting and unexpected combinations like rainbows and ropes or fruity and gummy or chewy and more chewy that's why they created fun treats like sweet tarts twisted rainbow ropes gummies fruity splits and chewy fusions when you dare to combine it's sure to blow your mind sweet tarts dare to combine visit sweettartscandy.com to shop now i think he had a pretty good overtime experience in his career i'll have to check into that and ask him about it when we get him on the show back after the minutes into overtime it is still 3-3 Vegas and Chicago game two of that best of seven the Golden Knights took the opener a couple of days ago the shots 34-25 in favor of the Golden Knights of course we will keep you updated the Hurricanes and the Bruins about 12 minutes into their first period of game two 
No score there. Shots are only 4-2 in favor of Carolina. Earlier, the Blue Jackets even up the series with the Lightning. They get a 3-1 victory and scheduled for 8-30, but possibly going to start, pardon me, a little bit later because of the overtime game. That is uh, Calgary and Dallas. So that's, pardon me, oh, got the got the burps here. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, it is, uh, that's what's going on in the NHL today. 780-496-0063 is our open line number and uh, our text number with you again Tomorrow night, as we will uh, be with you every night, we do expect, of course, it'll be confirmed a little bit later on, we do expect that once we get into the conference finals and the Stanley Cup final, we will have some live hockey for you here on 630 Ched. We, uh, in past years, have usually brought you the two conference final series and the cup final, and uh, believe that's the plan this year. But, of course, we'll nail it down once we get closer to it and know the times and uh, what broadcasts we're going to pick up and all that kind of stuff. And it is over. As I was rambling on, it is over with 12.47 left in the first overtime period. Vegas wins it 4-3. I'll have to see the replay, Kellen, but I think it was Riley Smith in front. Yeah, I believe he you're was, correct. He, yeah, yeah, he was right in front of the net. And let's just, uh, before we bring John on, let's just hang with this here so I can give a better description of the goal. The world isn't wide enough. Get immersed in the expansive views of the 48-inch customizable panoramic display in the all-new 2024 Lincoln Nautilus Hybrid. Explore more at Lincoln.com. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. So Vegas goes up 2-0 in that best-of-seven series. And, and are they talking about something here? No, I think it's over. Just want to get a better look at the goal here for everybody. If you're out driving around, and might not be able to see it for a while. Looked like a shot in front and then a rebound. See Patrick Kane's kind of talking to the linesman as he's going off the ice. Puck goes into the corner down the left side. Uh, Vegas wins it. Yeah, centering pass and Smith with the puck coming between two Blackhawks is able to just chip it past Corey Crawford. Kane and Kubelik guarding the front of the net, but Riley Smith kind of found a space between them for a passing lane and then just one touched it past Corey Crawford's blocker, and that does it. The Golden Knights take it. Smith's third of the playoffs, 7-13 into overtime. So that is the update there. Vegas with a big 2-0 series lead. So now uh, the Flames and the Stars should start on time, scheduled to go in a couple of hours at Rogers Place. All right, that's the latest. Pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports, former NHL goaltender, current broadcaster, always very generous with his time. It is John Garrett. John, how are you doing? I'm quite well, thanks. And you? I'm doing very well. It's always a pleasure to catch up with you. And uh, I always try to take you down memory lane when we talk. So my, my extensive research of about two minutes on the Internet uh, found yes. the longest game you played in. Well, it didn't go five overtimes. No. Seven, 71 minutes and 44 seconds. But you were the winning goaltender against the Boston Bruins. So there you yes. go. It's a good memory. It is a good memory, yes. Uh, we won that series, too. Uh, we were the underdogs, and uh, Dan Bouchard was sick, and I played the Bruins for, what, I played, uh, I guess, five games that series, and uh, 
we ended up beating them, and we beat Montreal right before we beat Boston. So it was good. The Islanders beat us in the semifinals, but uh, the Islanders were beating everybody at that time. Right, yeah. I, I, I vaguely remember that, that playoff year. I was pretty young, but I, I, I do remember that. Did you, uh, did you like... I mean, I know you're an athlete, so you always wanted to win. But it, like, was did playoff overtime as a goaltender feel uh, different? Was it? Did it a- even amp up for you as a goalie, or how did you approach those moments? Uh, you tried to approach it just like uh, the regular part of the game, but naturally, you feel that any shot that comes, your mistake, and that's the end of the game. And uh, fortunately, it wasn't a seventh game or any of that kind of stuff. So. Uh, I'm sure overtime in in deciding games. That's when I'm sure the goalies and uh, you look at the goalies who play long, long overtimes. Every shot is an adventure, and that's why I I can't believe that teams don't just fire pucks from everywhere once you get into overtime because you never know. And you look at uh, some of the goals that have gone in this year. Uh, you know, Freddie Anderson lets in that one from the corner and. Uh, Jacob Markstrom let in a couple of strange ones, and uh, you'd get into overtime and shoot from everywhere. I can't believe teams just, you know, try and control and control and don't want to dump it in and don't want to shoot from 30 feet. But uh, to me, if I was coaching, I'd say, okay, let's pile up as many shots as we can get. You never know. It's amazing hearing you see that, John, as as a former goalie. You know, I work with Rob Brown all the time, and he was trying to beat guys guys like you. But he says overtime or whenever, like bad angle, just shoot. And he always says he especially likes bad angle shots. And and you referenced the Freddie Anderson goal because he said the goalie is not facing you. He still has to worry about the front of the net, and you often find a hole or a rebound and he like he always says just hammer it from a bad angle and it's if there's a rebound it's probably coming right in front of the net yeah yeah and especially now uh, back in our day the goalies would actually turn and face the shooter but now with the butterfly style they've got that inverted v and all that kind of stuff and so they're uh, like robbie says they're never facing the shooter when the guy's in the corner they're they're hugging the post and they're they're trying to keep their shoulders up but uh, i agree <laughs> just let it rip and you never know. And yeah. now there's so many guys trying to block shots, too, that uh, you shoot it and, okay, they might block the shot, but if it does go through, it's a screen or it could be tipped and uh, just fire it towards the net. What do you think of the evolution of shot blocking? Because I've had, you know, some people like Drew Remenda always says, you pay goalies, like some of these guys make six, seven, eight million dollars a year. <laughs> Let them s- stop the puck, right? Like, how do you, yeah. how do you view it these days? Well, I, I really think that the equipment has gotten so good that the, the, the guys can block shots with, uh, when do they get hurt? Well, they get it in the wrist or they get it in their hand or uh, sometimes it comes up, jumps off their stick and gets them in the face, but uh, they're never through the shin pads or, you know, the shoulder pads or uh, even the guys that get hit in the chest, uh, they have the Velcro, you know, all that stuff they uh, that protects them so that uh, the guys fearlessly block the shots and they say fearlessly, well, the equipment's so good now that it's not so fearless. That's your job, especially you're a penalty killer. You keep your head out of the way, but you can block the shots and you never know who's behind you now and everybody goes to the net. So uh, Drew, I think, is his Drew's days are past where you let the goalie block the shot because you get out of the way and now there's four or five guys behind you that have a chance to tip it and 
uh, get a rebound and, and that kind of stuff. So if you're out high, you try and block the shot. Yeah. John Garrett joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Okay, so the, the Canucks got by uh, Minnesota, and uh, now they're taking on the St. Louis Blues. Let's just quickly kind of recap that, that Minnesota series. I, I thought the Canucks would, would win. Maybe a couple games were a little high scoring than I expected. How do you break that one down, John? I, I knew, well, I felt the Canucks had the advantage going in uh, just because uh, the goaltending situation in Minnesota was in flux. Uh, Devin Dubnik, to me, would have been your number one goalie, but he had such a bad year that uh, down the stretch, Alex Stalock was the guy. But Alex Stalock hasn't been the guy anywhere else other than Minnesota this year. And so, and Alex played really well down the stretch for Minnesota, but that was four months ago. And so you lose. Kevin Fiala was the hottest player in the NHL, but that was four months ago. So you can't keep that momentum going. You can't have that kind of confidence that you had. You're starting fresh. And so, uh, to me, the Canucks had the advantage in the goaltending. Uh, they had the advantage up front because they have their stars. And, and Brock Besser coming back after four months of recuperating and getting healthy again was a big plus for the Canucks. Uh, Quinn Hughes also had a chance to rest and regroup and uh, with all the minutes that he plays uh, he was better but I thought Minnesota had the ad advantage in experience their top three defensemen were probably better than the top three of the Canucks uh, and they had Zach Parisi but other than that I thought the Canucks had the advantage but uh, Minnesota's a hard-working team uh, they grind you down and I thought the Canucks did a good job of, of forcing the issue and uh, Canucks aren't a real physical team, and I thought the Wild might try and do that, but uh, I didn't think Eric Sinek or Marcus Foligno or those guys really got their game going, and it was a short series, and the Canucks were able to do it in four. Had it, had it gone longer, and especially Jacob Markstrom after the bad game, he won his worst game of the series, mm -hmm. and that's a big plus for the Canucks to know that they can score and their special teams can make the difference as they did against St. Louis last night. You brought up Quinn Hughes, and I was hoping to to talk a little bit more about him. You know, he and Kale McCarr, and there are other young defensemen, you know, a couple with Dallas guys around the league. Even Ethan Bear here in Edmonton, to some extent, maybe not on those guys' level, but can get back and get the puck going in, in the right direction. So I can't remember who I was talking to earlier in the week, but they thought Hughes might have been the best Canuck in that series. But, man, when... You can just get back there, get the puck going the other way. You don't have to defend, right? No, 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 one's no. About and especially defense. when you've got Chris Tanev out there. And to me, that's such a big advantage to have uh, that pair played together so much this year. And Chris Tanev stayed healthy all season long, which is an oddity for him. And uh, I really think it helped Quinn Hughes because he knew that he could take some chances, that he could go deep in the corner and do that little button hook that he does and maintain control and uh, come back and try and beat the first guy instead of just making the long pass because he knows that, uh, or he still knows that Chris Tanev's there to back him up. And uh, Quinn is such a confident young guy and uh, calm and poised and, uh, I'm really impressed with him. He's the best young defenseman that I've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, excellent player. 
Uh, and the game has changed. Reed, you know, uh, now the physical part of the game, and that used to be the thing that you'd always try and draft a, uh, a, a guy, that uh, a Victor Hedman, who was a combination of both. But uh, the size mattered so much that uh, defensemen were always, well, yeah, but he's too small, so he won't go in the first round. Well, now it doesn't matter. And so I, I really think that that has helped Quinn Hughes and a lot of other small defensemen around the league who, who can move the puck and uh, who don't have to worry about uh, getting out-muscled in front of the net because it's not, the battles aren't there anymore. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it, too. Before I let you go, I, I mean, I know you're focused on the Canucks. I don't know how much Oilers you got to see, but uh, obviously disappointing. I think the, the one line I've been using a lot that I, I feel like there was some gas left in the tank maybe when the, the the season ended i don't know if we saw them at or near the potential they showed in in large stretches of the regular season especially in the second half you know your view from out there john yeah i was disappointed in the oilers i i didn't think that they played with the desperation they needed and they didn't get the goaltending they needed and to me that was uh you know uh, you, you look at the around the league and and the teams that, and I think Vegas probably will uh, regret going with Robin Leonard somewhere in these playoffs. But if you don't have a defined number one goaltender, what what is Nashville doing? Uh, Pecorini? You don't you play Pecorini and you lose the series? Uh, Corey Crawford wins the series because he's the undisputed number one guy in Chicago. And uh, you go Corpus Allo, the uh, Torts comes back with Corpus Allo in the big games. You've got the number one guy in Edmonton, Mike Smith starts. And uh, as much as I like Mike Smith, his days are done. And then you go back and, uh, okay, your goaltending's not that good. And as you say, Ethan Bear is a good defenseman, but his supporting cast and Adam Larson miss some games. And uh, there's just not the depth that you need to be successful especially in a short series yeah yeah i think you you made a lot of great points there john hey man it, it's such a pleasure to have you on the show thanks for fitting us in uh enjoy the the rest of the playoffs we'll still be going for a couple more months here hopefully we can catch up <laughs> down the road buddy yeah and i hate to say it but i hope the canucks are there for a couple more months there it is thanks john john garrett from sportsnet checking in tonight former Canucks goaltender, played some, with some other teams in the league. The game we were talking about off the top of the show was when he was with the Quebec Nordiques back in uh, 1982. The uh, Nordiques upset the Canadians in the first round, a best of five. They won game five in overtime at the Montreal Forum, beat the Bruins in seven games, and then were uh, handled by the mighty New York Islanders, Islanders winning 4-1, 5-2, 5-4 in overtime, and then 4-2 to advance to the uh, Stanley Cup final. So anyway, a bit of a walk down memory lane, and uh, you heard it, uh, John, there, and we've certainly talked about it on this show, not a fan of the Oilers' goaltending in that series. Uh, if, it, if it was me, I, I certainly w- would look elsewhere before committing to bring Mike Smith back. And, and, I, and I do think he... He gave everything he had this season. He had some really good stretches. Obviously, after he had that 51-save win in Pittsburgh, he, he wasn't great the rest of November and through December. But then into the 2020 part of the season, he, he was pretty stellar. And I think overall, the Oilers goaltenders were, were good. 
uh, maybe good but not great, kind of like how I describe the team as a whole. And then when you get into the postseason, they they just needed more saves against the Chicago Blackhawks. Anyway, that was John Garrett. Good to catch up with him. Vegas won in overtime. If you missed the update earlier this half hour, Riley Smith got the game winner, so they take it 4-3 over Chicago. And in the final seconds of the first period, Boston leads Carolina one zip. It is Inside Sports. We're back. the NHL playoffs off and running bubbles have been working in Edmonton and Toronto we hopefully will find out really soon about the future of the Canadian Football League now this is one player posting this on Twitter nothing is uh, confirmed and uh, you you guys know this player and you know that he can be bombastic and outspoken so I will just read the tweet and tell you who it's from And I'll remind you that this is uh, nothing official from the league or the Players Association. And there have been these sorts of tweets from other Canadian Football League players, but then we, we still don't have anything official. So I'll just tell you what was put out there 46 minutes ago by Odell Willis, former Edmonton Eskimo, now with the BC Lions, great player. He wrote, CFL 2020... Well, there's a typo, but I'll just read what he meant. CFL 2020 has been canceled. Let's get ready for 2021. Hashtag let's try again next year. Now, there, there could be something officially announced tomorrow. Uh, I don't know if this is uh, Odell Willis has some information or is uh, perhaps pessimistic or sarcastic or believes this is going to happen, but that's what he posted, and there's been no uh any confirmation from the, the league or anybody official that that I can see. Uh, Morley mentioned it last night with uh, a player, I believe, from the Hamilton Tiger Cats writing that, if, you know, it's time for him to go look for another job because there's not going to be a season. And certainly we've heard that from other players. But that's all I can tell you right now. We'll see if there's any fire with that smoke that Odell Willis just wrote. All right. Kellen Kennedy is back at the 630 Chet Broadcasting Compound. I'm coming to you from my basement. Kellen, uh, Chris Jericho, uh, Canadian, correct? Winnipeg uh, born and uh, proud Winnipegger, yep. Lead singer of uh, Fozzie, a band Mm -hmm. whose uh, song Tonight we play coming back from break. By the way, you can always do that, boys and girls, 780-496-0063. A song you would like to hear coming back from commercial. Remember, we favor guitar rock. And please, no naughty language in the first 30 or 40 seconds of the song because we usually play about 20 or 30 seconds. Yeah, no Cardi B here, please. <laughs> so uh, Chris Jericho, though, uh, now that is that he's he's a pro wrestler. Is it First of all, is that his real name or a variation of his real name? It's a variation of his real name. Uh, the His the first name is real. His, his real name is Christopher. But, of course, he is the son of Ted Irvine, who was one of the greatest tough guys ever for the New York Rangers. Okay. So there we go. So, so. Uh, All right. So Chris Jericho. Now, I saw a tweet about him last night that he was uh, wrestling in something, and I didn't know what it was. So since you are our wrestling correspondent, I'll <laughs> give you uh, 30 seconds here to educate me on uh, what is going on with Chris Jericho and what wrestling. He's not in the slaw. I know he's not in the WWE, 
and he's not in the slot because mm-hmm. you and I run the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. So what is he doing? Yeah, and we probably couldn't afford Jericho anyway. Um, <laughs> um, there is a an upstart promotion ran by uh, Tony Khan, who is the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars of the NFL, uh, named All Elite Wrestling. They run Wednesday nights at uh, 6 o'clock uh, our time here in Edmonton. And there was a big title match on their program. Well, not a big title match, a big match last night that uh, Chris Jericho was in the main event of on last night's program. They have oh, so he's in show, an, so. an upstart yeah. wrestling. Is No, this thing is even newer than the slaw, yes. I think. Wow, they're trying to hone in on our territory. <laughs> <laughs> we own Sylvan Lake. What's it called, the AEW? Yes, the All Elite Wrestling. Yeah. Hey, AEW, keep your paws off sylvan lake or we're gonna send our champ roadhammer after chris jericho i would pay to see roadhammer versus chris jericho roadhammer would take him down ladder match no holds bar hammer and nails match uh handicap match dress like a nun match you you name it he would win (laughs) let's book it let's have let's make it happen talk a little junior football when we get back 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.